I'm Bartholomew. I'm from Kenya. I'm an Israelite. But what you really need to know about me is that I'm a disciple of Jesus. It all started out when my best friend Philip found me one day and said, Come and see. Three words that changed my life forever. Come and see. That's all it took. We, we knew he had to be the Messiah. We didn't know everything at first. In fact, there was more that we didn't know than we did know. But we knew enough to know that he was worth giving our lives to. So we followed him. And somehow I became part of a group of 12 that were Jesus' closest companions. We called ourselves the 12. I know, real creative. <laughs> it was Simon's idea. But we got a, a personal look at Jesus' life. Where he went, we went. What he said, we heard. What, what he did, we saw. And it was like that for three whole years, every day. And, and after he was crucified, after we abandoned him like cowards in the night. Guys, I ran. I ran to my life. But on a Sunday, on a Sunday, just like today, he came back to us. He was no longer dead, but alive. But he was greater than death, and, and that changed everything for me. You see, I, I was pretty sure up to that point. I, I had known he was the Messiah, but then, at that moment, I knew that the Messiah was God. And he came to, to save me, from, to free me, to set me free from so much more than, than little Caesar. From sin and death, and everything that keeps me from God. And so now I, I jump at opportunities to, to tell this story. So this morning I, I, I want to I want to share with you uh, about a certain week when I spent with Jesus back in his ministry days. It was an incredible week. If I remember right, it, it was uh, it was just after. Jesus had raised this little girl from the dead and restored her to her parents. It was amazing watching them hold her. We were just in wonder to see them. They lost her, but then they had her. So we were blown away and we, we left on our way home. And I, I thought we were going to call it a day. Like that was a pretty big thing to end on. But then as we were walking home, these two men who were blind came up to Jesus. And they said, Son of, they said, have mercy on us, Son of David. We all stopped to see what would happen next. See, this was significant. Throughout Scripture, up to this point, no one had ever healed anyone of blindness. Even some of our prophets of old, the, the real life stories I heard growing up, even some of our most famous prophets of old had, had actually raised people from the dead, but no one had ever given sight to the blind. This was reserved for the Messiah. You see, prophecy told us that this would be a telltale sign that the Messiah had come. And so these two men were saying to Jesus, we believe it's you. We believe you're the Messiah. 
The one scripture talks about, we believe you give us our sight. I was blown away by that faith. Jesus didn't send them away. He brought them inside the, the privacy of a home. The atmosphere was, was more personal than there. Away from all the spectators, away from all the noise that was quiet inside. Just Jesus and them. They talked for a while, and then I saw Jesus reach out his hand. He touched their eyes. He didn't have to. I had seen him heal people before with, with just a word. But these two men were so often kept out of reach from society. With tenderness, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the very spot of their lives where they had so much pain. He touched their eyes. Whoa. I, I wish you could have been there when they opened their eyes and they looked around and they could actually Taking in everything all around them, the, the colors, the, the contrast, the, the shades, things that they had just imagined. I wish you could have been there when they realized they could like, finally see them and they looked at each other with, with like shock, almost disbelief and amazement in their eyes. Like, can you believe this is happening to us? I'll never forget the, the look of, of pure joy on their faces. Well, before they left, after they had celebrated for a while, Jesus sat them down and said to them directly, don't tell anyone. Jesus did this from time to time. And at first I found it pretty confusing. And why? But Jesus knew my people. He knew the hearts of people perfectly. He knew that we were we were looking for a Messiah who was more like a military, if you will. And he didn't want to get the crowds stirred up and for people to come to him for the wrong reasons. So sometimes he kept his miracles a secret. But the thing is, it never lasted very long. Maybe long enough for us to get to the next town. Because people just couldn't keep it to themselves. So this is what I learned. Good news. Really good news. You guys, genuinely good news. Can't be kept a secret. That's what happened with these two men. No, no sooner had they left the house than they started to spread the news about Jesus all over the district where they lived. It's like they were telling everyone who Jesus was and what, what he had done for them. And I can tell you, they weren't driven by fear. No one threatened them to do this. They weren't driven by guilt. They weren't driven by a sense of duty. Jesus didn't hold them in a headlock and say, be a witness, be a witness, be a witness. The only explanation is joy. These two men had such joy because the Messiah had so powerfully touched their lives 
that they couldn't keep it to themselves. They couldn't help but share it. It just came out of them. Joy propelled their witness. Joy over who Jesus is and what he had done for them. Joy just flowed out of them. And pretty soon, everyone, everyone had heard about Jesus in the surrounding area in a genuine way. It was joy, not coercion, not manipulation, not obligation that spread their witness. Maybe joy is more important than, than we often think. Well, a little while later after that, we uh, set out with Jesus and went to the next town. And then we went to the next town. And then we went to the next town. And then we went to the next town. We went to all the cities and villages in that area. I found out quick. Following Jesus is never a passive thing. It, it's like he, he called me out of my seat to follow him. Gosh, it's impossible to, to follow Jesus and stay in your seat at the same time. But before I became a disciple, living out my faith often looks like gathering for worship once a week and, and sitting there for a while and listening and then going home. But Jesus called me out of my seat. When I, when I started following Jesus, it became an everyday kind of thing, every day joining him on his mission. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Shabbat day. I mean Saturday. <laughs> and maybe you're thinking, isn't that a bit extreme? Like, weren't you tired? But Jesus, Jesus knew how to help us break away and get rest. But Jesus was the master of stealing time away to be renewed by the Father. And I found myself, instead of living to, to make ends meet, instead of just kind of doing the grind day in and day out, I found myself living with such purpose and passion every single day. It wasn't just another day, but another day with Jesus. Another day joining him on his mission. You you knew what little I offered, but in ways that had eternal significance. Well, we went to the next town. We went to all these cities and all these villages. And I started to pick up on a on a pattern that I saw in Jesus' ministry. It seemed like every single place he went. He would always do two main things. Number one, proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And number two, heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus had such a balance in his ministry. He would proclaim the gospel. He would proclaim the good news. That's what gospel means. In my language, it means good news. Do you know how we receive the news where I'm from? 
We don't have a daily papyrus delivered to us. We don't have the book of faces, or whatever you guys call that. This is how we would get the news. A spokesperson, a herald, would run into town and spread the news by proclaiming it. That's how we got the news. Can you imagine if a herald came to town with some really important news and he said, I'm not going to say a word. Just look at my life and you'll get the idea. I would be like, wait, no. Son, tell me the news. Tell me the news. That's, that's what you do with news. It's information to be told. It's a message to be shared. The gospel is good news. It's news. And so Jesus would proclaim it. But he didn't stop there. He would also heal every disease and every affliction that weighed people down. He saw so many people suffering in so many ways. Jesus met people in their very real needs. Whatever it was. He really cared for people. He wasn't just there to give a speech and move on into minimal contact with the people. Every person mattered to Jesus. And the whole person mattered to Jesus. His actions reinforced his message. It's like my buddy John once said, for God so loved the world. And that was seen in both his message and his deeds. There was such a balance in Jesus' ministry. Gosh, it would be a shame if, if one day God's people got into these little camps choosing one or the other, proclamation or meeting real needs. And, and if they got into stupid little debates like, no, it's this one, no, it's this one, no, it's this one, no, it's this one. I can assure you, just spend one day with Jesus and find out what kind of He really cared for people. It, it reminds me of something that happened a little later that week. We were walking along the hillside in Galilee, and we, we got, I was walking next to Jesus, and we got to the top of this hill, and Jesus turned and, and looked down at the crowd of people below him. And I just saw his eyes filled with compassion. For a moment, he just stood there and looked at them. And then he said, almost to himself, they're harassing him. And she was They're beaten down and worn out by all they're doing and doing and doing to save themselves, but it, but it never works. It's like, it's like they're saying, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and then I'll be okay. But their efforts were never enough, beaten down and worn out, harassed and helpless. It's like Jesus had said before, come to me, all who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He longed to be their shepherd. It's like his heart was broken. 
He looked at him with such intense compassion. And in that moment, on top of that hill with Jesus, as I stood there looking at him, I couldn't help but feel convicted and challenged. I don't know what your culture is like, but, but in my culture, people are rejecting Jesus every day. Every day is right in front of my face. And the immorality brought in by, by the Romans is soaring to new heights. And sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to just look around at all that and be like, forget it. The world is going to nothing. I'm tempted to turn up my nose at my culture. And Jesus looks at them with compassion. How about you? What, what's the name of the area around this, this beautiful building you have here? Come and tell me. Logan Square. Kind of a lame name. Very different name. Logan Square. When you look at Logan Square, okay? Are you ever tempted to just be like, forget? When you look at this area, are you ever tempted to be like, I can assure you, Jesus looks at Logan Square with eyes driven with compassion. He, he loves to be their shepherd. He wants to be the shepherd of anyone apart from him. And in fact, if this morning, if you are apart from him, I want you to know, I want you to know that he loves to be your shepherd. If you are beaten down and worn out by all the doing and doing and doing, trying to save yourself, but it's never enough, he says to you, Salvation for your soul. He wants to be your shepherd. And another thing, I live in a really politically charged time. I don't know if you can relate to that. There's people on extreme ends of the spectrum, those people who I might disagree with politically, who, who are maybe on the other end of the spectrum. Jesus looks at them with compassion. Politics aside, there's people out there who have who have disagreed with me at, at different points, or who have irritated me, or who, who rubbed me the wrong way, or who have maybe even offended me. Jesus looks at them with eyes of compassion. I'm not saying he never has judgment in his eyes, I've, I've seen that too. But even for those who breathe him, he longs to be their shepherd. Even those who crucify him, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I just looked at him. Looked at him. Longing to be. I just looked at him standing there. And in that moment, I was like, how do I do was it just the two blind men that we talked about earlier who needed to come to Jesus for help with their eyes? Or is it me too? How do I see people? And in the depths of my heart at that moment, I just, I just said under my breath, Jesus, help me to see. 
For every single time, every single time throughout Jesus' ministry, when I, when, I, when I saw him feel compassion, he always did something. He always took action. Action always followed his compassion. But this time, he turned to us. This time, he placed it in our hands. He wanted us to take action. He started by saying this, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus was saying, look out there. The harvest is ready. It's a joyful time. A time of bringing folks in. A time of seeing lives redeemed and restored as, as they enter the kingdom. The harvest is ready, but something is missing. The workers aren't out there. They're sitting in their homes. They're, they're busy doing other things. They're distracted. They're sleeping. The workers are missing. While the field sits ready. And I and I found myself feeling this urgency rising inside me. I, I, I just wanted to do something. I could feel the, the earnestness in his voice. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, and I was ready for him to say, Therefore, let's get to work. I was ready for him to say, therefore, what are you waiting for? I was ready for him to say, therefore, let's take action. But what happened next surprised me. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray. Pray earnestly. And at first I was like, wait. The harvest is ready. And you want us to just sit here and pray? As we pray, though, it started to sink in. Whose harvest it was? We prayed to the Lord of the harvest. It wasn't mine. It wasn't any of the disciples. It was Him. If anything was going to happen, it would be His doing. We needed to rely on Him. Jesus. Longs to be these people's shepherd. But he said, before you do anything, pray. That's how important prayer was to Jesus. He said, in fact, he, he said the exact same thing to us after his resurrection, before we saw literally thousands of people come into the kingdom. He said, before you do anything, pray. I'm not kidding. And looking back, I can tell you, every time I saw Anything major happened to advance Jesus' mission like clockwork. I would find him praying. Before you do anything, pray. That's how important prayer was to Jesus. Over time, as disciples, we learned we, we needed to pray. We needed to pray for the kingdom. We needed to set aside time for that. We needed to make it a priority. Because this is what we were learning. Prayer and the spread of the kingdom go hand in hand. Prayer and the spread of the kingdom go hand in hand. Let me put it like this. You want to see the kingdom come? You're all talk unless you pray. You take this out of me. I'm not a pastor here. <laughs> I'm just a disciple of me, my Solomon. Let me say it again. You want to see the kingdom come? You're all talk 
unless you pray. That's what I learned. But it didn't stop there. Shortly thereafter, Jesus called us to himself. He wanted us to gather around him like it was something especially important. I could feel something culminating. And then he looked at us and officially sent us out. It was, it was, it was incredible because here's the thing. We had been praying for God to send out workers. And then he used us as an answer to those very prayers. We had been praying for workers to be sent out, and then we were the ones who were sent out. Once again, I, I saw this balance in Jesus' ministry, not just action alone, not just prayer alone, but prayer and action. And then Jesus said to us, I want you to heal every disease and every affliction. And then later, a little later, he said, and proclaim the kingdom as you go. Heal every disease and every affliction and proclaim the kingdom as you go. And then it dawned on me, that's exactly what Jesus had been doing this whole time. This was Jesus' ministry. And he was passing it on to us. To, to do what he did. To say what he said. To, to share the good news. To touch lives. To, to meet real needs. We were being sent out by Jesus to carry his words and his work to the world around us. Like, like little Jesus is sent out. And to be honest, I started to panic a bit. Like, like, like you want us to, to carry on your ministry? Like you want us to, to do everything you did to say what you said? How? How is this, how is this possible? I mean, look at us. Look at us 12. None of us went to school for this. None of us are religious professionals. We're, we're a bunch of fishermen and Joe Adams workers. How can I carry on Jesus' ministry? And then he gave us his authority and his power. Better than any training who we could have been to. And it, it reminds me of something that happened later on. It was, it was one of the last times I saw Jesus, and I will never forget it. You see, he had been crucified. We didn't know that he had been resurrected. And so me and the other disciples were, were all gathered together in this little room. To be honest, we were hiding. We were scared. We were confused. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was right there with us. He was standing in front of us. But I fully expected him to be like, I'm done with you guys. I'm moving on. But he didn't. He just looked at us in the eyes and he said, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you! How? The very next thing that happened to us is He gave us the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we were sent just as Jesus was sent. Not as a short-term thing, but as the way we live our lives. Just as Jesus lived His life, always on mission. Everywhere we went, 
We were sent there. We were sent to carry the words and the works of Jesus to the world around us, everywhere we went. This is Jesus was sent. We were sent. And I tell you, that is one of the most significant things that ever happened to me as a disciple. I am sent. As the Father has sent Jesus, I am sent. I, I must have heard Jesus call himself sent more than 40 times. It was core to his identity. And now it's to be core to my identity. I am sent. And I want you to know every disciple is sent. Because if this whole thing, if this whole thing is just about us 12 disciples, and soon it will be done. But every disciple in every generation is sent. Sent by Jesus to carry his word and his works to the world around them. I don't know what you do for a living. I don't know what you do to break home the bacon. Because I understand that ceremony clean now. You guys are lucky. But whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you spend your time, you are sent. As a disciple of Jesus, you are sent by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are sent to carry Jesus' words and works to the world around you. You are sent. Following Jesus, I learned a lot about what it means to be on mission. And now I hope that you'll maybe you take it too and learn as well. Thanks for listening to my story. I want to call this the band forward and just make me kind of, kind of wrap up some of the themes we saw here. I want to reflect on six main features about being on mission that were touched on in this story. Number one, joy. Like the two men who were blind, who just couldn't keep it to themselves, but they just couldn't help to share it with others. It just came out of them. Joy propels our mission. Joy. Joy when the, when the good news is so good to us that we can't help but share it. When Jesus is better to us than anything else. Joy. Joy propels our mission. Number two, movement. Following Jesus is not a once a week for an hour or something, but every day of our lives. Not passive, but active. It's impossible to stay in our seats and follow Jesus. Number three, balance. Everywhere Jesus went, he did two main things. Proclaim. Proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And number two, Meet real needs. Number four, compassion. Jesus looked out with eyes full of compassion. So the question is, how do we see people? Number five, prayer. Jesus said, in essence, before you do anything, pray. Prayer and the spread of the kingdom go hand in hand. He used Bartholomew's words. You want to see the kingdom come, you're all talking like you pray. Number six, being sent. 
Every disciple of Jesus is sent its core to who we are. So I just want to take a second now, and I want to invite you to look over this list. We're just going to spend a, a moment in prayer, and just maybe pick out one or two of those and lift them up in prayer, that God would help us grow in them as individuals and as a church. Come to the Lord and ask Him that help me to grow in this, and as a church, show me what part, my, my part, what part I might be able to play. In that. Because I want to remind us that these are all characteristics of Jesus. What it comes down to is more of Jesus, and God can help us grow in more of Jesus. Joy, movement, balance, compassion, prayer, and being sent. Let's just bow for a moment.